Thank you, Pastor Daniel. Yeah, children for Sunday school, please. You're dismissed. I know you're looking forward to it. And thank you to the Sunday school teachers. You guys do an amazing job. You know, this morning, I didn't want that to end. I didn't want that to end. I don't think it is ending, actually. You know, I was thinking, we, we come to these times. I remember when I was a little bit younger, coming into these experiences, especially on a Sunday morning or, or a time where you're, you're out and you're hearing uh, great preaching or you're involved with worship, and, and you have these sort of mountaintop experiences, and you don't really want to leave because you know what's coming. <laughs> or you, 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 you leave the doors, and you're all excited. By the time you get to Monday morning, it's kind of in the distance, and you're, you're facing what's in front of you, right? But I found this morning was something different, the fact that God gave us opportunity here. On the, when Christ brought the disciples up for the transfiguration, the, he wasn't bringing them up to meet Moses and Elijah, if you've read the story. Moses and Elijah came to meet Christ. Christ was the center. And when the disciples came down, guess who came with them? Christ. See, that was an opportunity to leave doubt and to build faith. So that when they came down the mountain, they faced the, the new opportunity of the possessed boy, they could have victory. Moments like this on Sunday morning, when we experience the presence of God, that's opportunity for us. Big opportunity to leave doubt, to build faith, to whatever it is we brought through those doors, we thought, well, it's not appropriate to deal with that here. No, it's very appropriate to deal with that here and now. That's what we bring, that's what we lay at the feet of Christ. We get up, we praise you, thank you, God. You've redeemed us, you've set us free, you've anointed us. We walk out those doors and we face whatever's ahead. Because Christ is still with us. He came down the mountain with us, he's here. Amen? Amen. It's not a lot to do with the sermon this morning, but, <laughs> but, but go with him. Because he's here with you now. When you walk out those doors, tomorrow Monday morning, you feel the experiences behind you, know he's still with you. In fact, remember the experience, because that experience now is to build faith, so when you walk out those doors, you will step into whatever is ahead, and you will see victory, you will see God's hand move in and through you to accomplish what he wills to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to invite God into the message this morning. He's already here. I don't want to get in his way. Father, thank you so much for who you are. You are God above all gods. There is no God but you. You alone are God, and it's by your hand, by your breath, by your grace that we live and breathe and move and have our being, Lord. Lord, I invite you into the message this morning. It is your word. It is all about you, Lord. Prepare our hearts, Lord God, if there's anything in our way. Help us to lay it down. Forgive us of any sins. Turn our eyes back towards you. Open our hearts to you, Lord. Give us understanding. Lord, I know that you are, you are the good sower, Lord. You give good seed. So we pray, Lord, that whatever seed that you wish to impart to us today would take a deep root in our spirit, Lord God, and from the seed would produce a harvest and abundance, Lord, a fragrant offering, pleasing, holy, and acceptable to you, Lord God, and that many more would be added to your kingdom. We bless you and we praise you in the name of your dear son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 
Last few weeks, uh, throughout this month, Pastor David introduced sort of the, the general theme about birth. Birthing. We heard some really good messages from Pastor Nelson, Pastor David, and Pastor Downey. If you haven't heard them, this is not like a, a sales pitch, but look it up. Yeah. They're good. What God shared with them, he, he gave to them to give to you. So take it. Take it and run with it. Some of the things that were said is Christ wants to birth something in you. He wants your faith to build, to grow. Wants to give you a revelation of Jesus Christ that we've never had before. Pastor David said that in his sermon. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Come on, let's hear a little bit more excitement on this. Do you believe that God has a revelation for you that you've never had before? So your new life is a life of potential and opportunity. We were made to grow up. <laughs> Friends are people who know you really well and like you anyway. These are, tonight, today, a little excited. <laughs> the talk is about the birth of a friend. I started thinking a little bit about friends. You know, everybody... We take kind of the word friend for granted a bit. And yet it seems we're, we're kind of getting less of them, at least true friends, deep friends. Uh, we seem to be becoming a little bit more separated from each other, generally. Less connected with each other. So it's making you think, well, okay, so Christ offers us friendship. And we'll get to that in a second. Well, what are friends? So I looked up a couple of things on friends. And I, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, here's a couple of quotes. Friends are people who know you really well and like you anyway. Uh, friends give you a shoulder to cry on, but best friends are ready with a shovel to hurt the person that made you cry. Uh, an old Sicilian proverb says, only your real friends will tell you when your face is dirty. <laughs> I like that. The book of Proverbs says, a friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. Is Jesus your friend? I mean, he's your Lord, he's your Savior, he's your Master, he's your King, he's your God, he's your Redeemer. Is he your friend? Do you know he actually wants friendship with you? I mean, we have a relationship, we're family. He's my brother, according to the word. He's my father. God's my father, he's my brother. <laughs> but he wants to be my friend, too. Sometimes friends can be even closer than family. Sometimes. Sometimes your family can be your best friend. But friendship speaks of a level of intimacy with God. It's not just an acquaintance. It's not a forced bond. It's a willing bond, a chosen bond, a bond that takes effort and work and intention. And he wants it with you. He initiates it with you. In John 15... Uh, you can look at it if you like, John 15, verse 12 to 16. Jesus said, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. In the Bible, I was trying to think of, I mean, there's many people who, who have an intimate relationship with God. Moses was said that in the tent of me, he spoke to God as if face to face. David was called a man after his own heart. Enoch, Elijah, they were carried away to God. But in Isaiah 41.8, as God's talking to Israel through the prophet Isaiah, he says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Abraham was called a friend of God. That's what God said. It wasn't Abraham that said, God's my friend. God said, Abraham is my friend. Would you love for God to say that about you? Insert your name here, is my friend. What was it about Abraham? What was it about their relationship that God considered a friendship? Can you have that kind of relationship with God? See, God's no respecter of persons. Whatever God, relationship God had with Abraham, you can have that same kind of relationship. Amen. You can have that same kind of intimacy with God. Yeah. Right. Psalm twenty-five, fourteen: The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. The word secret there is also counsel or intimacy. Of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make known... He will make them known his covenant. I want to turn to Genesis 18 for a second. Genesis 18 is a, a very interesting passage. It's just before uh, the fall of Sodom and Gomorrah. At this point, if you're familiar with the story, Abraham and his nephew Lot, they've parted company. Lot's gone to live down to Sodom, Abraham's uh, up with his wife in, in kind of the highlands there, and, and uh, they get visitors that come to them, three visitors. And it's actually God and two angels. And he entertains them. And it says, uh, we can go to verse 17, for like 18, uh, Genesis 18, verse 17. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abram, Abraham what I'm about to do? And before I go any farther, I just want to stop for that for one second. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? In this friendship, there is a level of intimacy. God is about to reveal to, to Jacob or to Abraham something personal. Something from himself. 
Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? He's willing to trust Abraham with this. With your friends, your close friendships, are you able to trust them? Are you able to give them something of yourself? Are they able to hold something you're going to share with them? Because you don't do that with just everybody. There's a, there's a certain level of trust that generally people uh, is engendered just for, you know, general connectivity, but a friend goes a little bit deeper. There's certain things you will trust with certain people that you will not trust with others. And if you do, you're not so wise. <laughs> not everybody can be trusted with everything, right? So with wisdom and care, you, you risk yourself a bit. You risk yourself a bit. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So even as God's talking here, just before he talks, he's, there's a whole rationale of why God is about to reveal to Abraham. When God comes and reveals things to you, they're not just off the cuff. He's got an intention behind it. The things he tells you, whether in secret or in open, he has an intention behind why you're hearing from him what you are hearing from him. The seeds he's planted in you, that he's giving to you, he has an intention to cause growth. He has an intention to bring you to maturity. He has an intention to bring you to opportunity. One other thing, just off the cuff here. Parents, teachers. So he will direct his children and his household after him. That is something that God honors and blesses. The intention in God talking to Abraham, part of his rationale is that, God, that Abraham is going to direct his children in God's ways. That's part of God's rationale for opening up this communication to Abraham. He values that so much. He honors that so much. Parents, take that to heart. What you are doing with your children and instructing them in the ways of the Lord teaches what you're doing. Friends of kids, whatever you're doing to lead them towards the Lord, the best you can, God honors that. That is a delight to the Lord. God bless you. There's a like-mindedness. Friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, this is a quote from C.S. Lewis, Friendship is born from a moment when one man says to another, what, you too? I thought that no one but myself kind of carries on. There, there's a similar, similar interest sometimes with a friend. You strike up something because they're doing something that you like or they have an interest in something. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's cars. Maybe it's whatever. I don't know. That's not gender specific. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you, you begin something because there's something that kind of creates a connection. You know, Abraham wanted the same thing God wanted. God saw that. See, these things is intimacy, trust, like-mindedness. In Abraham's relationship with God, that was all components. 
in your relationship with God, that's all important. That we develop trust. That we develop, I want to almost scratch the word friendship because I want to replace that with intimacy. Because that's what God's calling us to. To know him. This morning, that's what it was about. He wants you. He loves you. He desires you. And he wants you to delight in him. I don't follow Bob Marley much. He passed away years ago, and I don't really listen to his music a lot. But I came across this quote that he had, (laughs) and I thought it was actually really good. Really good. Good for you, Bob. said, the truth is, everyone's going to hurt you. You just got to find the ones worth suffering for. I thought it was good. I thought it was really good, actually. You know, God takes that perspective. We hurt him sometimes. We grieve him. Guess what? He still comes. Christ said it was worth it. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorned the shame. He said, you, I'll take it. For your future. The fact that he can present as first fruits to God. The redeemed. That you can sing his praises. With the Holy Spirit working in you to produce the song of the Lord through your lips and through your heart. He delights in that. He delights in you and what he's doing in you. He desires intimacy with you. But it's not going to come easy sometimes. <laughs> Lord, I wish it came easy. But it doesn't always come easy. See, what God is birthing in you, we're born again when we accept Christ. And there is a work in us that's developing us to bring us to maturity, to bring us, to conform us into the likeness of Christ. And the devil knows that. He does not want that. He doesn't want it. The things that God is calling to birth in you, the devil doesn't want that. As maybe not even so much that he cares about you. It's God. We sometimes put ourselves in the way about, it's about me. The devil's just after me because I'm going to be so great. It's not about you. It's not about you. He doesn't care. It's about the promises of God. It's about who's on top. It's about whose word is true. Whose claims are, are accurate. Revelation 12. There's a lot to unpack that. I'm not going to do that too much. But there's a point I want to get out of that. And you can turn there if you like. I'm going to turn there. Revelation 12. And there's a lot of amazing and fantastic imagery. 
But says a great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, with seven crowns on his head. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. Let's stop for just a second. I don't know what's gone on in your life. I can think of things that have gone on in my own life. The devil likes to try to accuse, and he doesn't give up. But guess what it says? He accuses them day and night before God. He's been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for in the desert, where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea and stopped. Even from the moment of birth. The picture is almost as if the devil is standing there right at the legs, right at the feet of the woman, ready to snatch up the child as soon as it can because it wants to devour. It wants to stop what God has ordained in your life. It's ready to snatch it up. It's ready to put it to death. It's ready to accuse you day and night. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. The seeds are dead. Nothing came of it. It was a lie. It was false. You're broken. You failed. You cannot do it. And every one of those is a lie that God has thrown down. Every one of those is a lie. See, you were born of incorruptible seed. Incorruptible seed. In you is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You are heirs to his promise. You are children of the king. The dragon spewed a flood. The earth swallowed up. He vomited out of his mouth. Something that looked like the living water. It wasn't for us. The earth swallowed it up. Too bad for the earth. 
but it didn't come to you. It's not yours to take. Whatever the devil's spewing out of his mouth is not for you to have. It didn't stop there either. Even as we celebrate Christmas, and Christmas is an amazing time of year. Amazing time of year. Even in that time, even the time of Christ's birth, Herod still tried to kill the newborns. Two and under. The devil still used somebody to try to get at him. It didn't work. It didn't work. See, what God has ordained, what God has said, it's going to happen. Why? Because he ordained it. God doesn't lie. God cannot lie. So when he says something, he says something with intention, and he says something with power and the ability to back up what he said. From before time, before time, he ordained what would happen. And when he spoke, life came into being. From nothing came something. Let me correct that. That's an old saying. It's not an accurate saying. Because God always was. I'm not going to actually listen. Okay. We have a talk sometime, but not right now. See, in Isaiah 66, 9, God says, Shall I bring to birth and not cause to bring forth? Saith the Lord, Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith God? Isaiah 25, verse 1, O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you, I will give thanks to your name, for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago, with perfect faithfulness. Isaiah 43, 21, the people who I have formed for myself will declare my praise. Christ is being formed in you. You were born again of incorruptible seed, and now there's a process of maturing and building and growing your faith. The seeds that he's planted long ago, he's bringing those to life. And it's not going to come easy. You've got to look ahead. You've got to say, no, what God has said is what he said. That's what I'm going to cling to. His word doesn't return void. Paul and Galatians, he said, my children with whom I am again, he's talking to the Corinthians, I believe. Uh, no, Galatians. <laughs> a little tired. <laughs> my children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Christ formed in you. The friendship that Christ offers us is an intimacy with him. An intimacy with him that leads us into becoming more like him. Sometimes close friends, after a time, can resemble each other a bit. That's what Christ wants. I and you, you and me, that where my father is, that's where I am, that's where you are. Right? This is intentional. This is purposeful. This is not accidental. This is what God has planned from the beginning where you are to be. 
what God is doing, that's where you are to be and will be. See, when he comes back, he's coming for a glorious bride. A glorious bride. You're part of that. Oh. You know, when he comes to these moments, like this morning, Mount of Transfiguration, the talk of friendship, all these are opportunities that exist because he wants it to be. They're actual. They're not theoretical. They're, they're for you. The living God, God who is very much alive, a living person offers something to you that he, he offers it to you. You can take it. We take it by faith. Not with our eyes necessarily, but with eyes of faith. With a heart of faithfulness. And he knows our weaknesses. He knows our frailties. He knew that from the beginning. Before one of your days, they were ordained. Every one of you, every single one of you is destined to walk in victory with Christ. Everyone. He said, I lost none of them that you gave me. Except for the one, the one, the one that was destined for perdition, which was Judas. If you are in Christ, you are his. The future that he's promised you is yours to have. It's yours to take. It's yours to claim, yours to receive, yours to hope for, yours to expect in faith through Christ. Somebody amen that. <laughs> I'll amen it. Amen. I'll take it. God is so good. God is so good. And you know, his goodness isn't, I mean, he calls us to goodness. His goodness is not dependent on our goodness. We don't have to be that perfect Christian for God to reach out, and now I'm going to work with you. We just have to have a heart that says, okay, I messed up, but I want you. I'm willing, God give me strength, I'm willing to take whatever's happened to lay that down and let's move again. And if I step in something again, brother, shoe off and take another step forward. Right? Move forward. Get up. Move. You are called. You are chosen. You are ordained. God is with you. He's for you. He's not against you. All the promises are yes and what? And amen. And amen. Amen. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. There is no one like you, Lord God. There is no one like you. Your ways are above our ways. Your thoughts are above our thoughts. 
Lord God, there is more to you than we comprehend, but yet you reach out and you reveal yourself to us. You are beautiful. You are holy. You are kind. You judge righteously and you extend mercy graciously. And all of your promises are yes and amen. All of your promises, Lord God. There is not one that is false. There is not one word that is a lie that comes from your lips. Every single thing you said, everything you said, Lord God, will come to pass as you've intended. It will bring forth what you intended. There is no one like you. Thank you so much for the grace that you give to us, Lord God. Thank you so much that you have chosen us, you have redeemed us, you have called us out of darkness. You transfer us into the kingdom of your son. You have done this, Lord God, not by anything that we earned. You reached out your hand. You called us your friend, even while we were enemies. There is no one like you. Lord, help us to be like you. Work in us to will and to do. Change our hearts. Draw us to repentance wherever we need. Draw us to hunger. Draw us to brokenness if need be, Lord God. But you are our source. You are our life. Everything we have and hope for is found in you, the living God. And we need you. Lord, I need you. And thank you that you offer yourselves to us. You fill our needs. Draw us to that place of intimacy. Lord, even as we come into the Christmas season, that we are reminded again and again that you came to us. You came to us. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Blessed be your name. Lord, just, just as we close here, this isn't for Please stand to your feet. Just let's take a moment to praise him as we close. Because he's worthy of it. You are awesome and worthy of praise, God. There is no one like you. You are holy. You are our redemption. You are our salvation. You are God Almighty. Blessed be your name. Who is like you, the living God? Who is like you? Blessed be your name. You are holy and clothed in splendor. You are awesome in power and might. Blessed be your name, Lord God. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. You are holy and you are kind. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, King of kings and Lord of lords. Blessed be the name of our great Redeemer and friend. Blessed be the name of the Lord God, holy and almighty. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord.